Good morning, Woodland Hills. God bless you guys. So glad that uh, you chose to be part of uh, the service. And though we can't be, as Shauna said, in proximity to each other, with each other uh, physically, we are united spiritually. And there's a reality to that. Uh, if our hearts are in the same place, we're united. Okay, so, uh, oh, I want to start by saying, uh, give a shout out to Oshida, who did a spectacular job last week. Would you agree? Listen to that applause. Uh, yeah, that was a solid message, and I just really appreciate that. Um, so t- today, we're uh, going to be taking a little break from Matthew, his, his version of the Sermon on the Mount, to take a look at Luke's version on the Sermon on the Mount, because Luke includes a few things that Matthew leaves out. Uh, more specifically, he has some woes. That, that, that accompany the, the Beatitudes. And woes are like sadness. Uh, this is a road that leads to sadness. So today's message is going to be entitled, The Woe Road. Everyone say, Woe Road. And try to say it twice in a row. Woe. <laughs> okay, so here's the contest that Sean was talking about. Kids, are you ready? Uh, I, I want to see uh, in, in who in your family, or and you can do this if you're alone, just kind of do it as your own little contest or, or whatever, but who can say the most woe roads in a row quickly in five seconds? Now, you, you have to pronounce it, woe road, woe road, as fast as you can. You can't just go, it's not war road, or you can't go, because then you can get a million in five seconds, that's cheating. So woe road, woe road, ready? You get five seconds on your mark, get set, Go! Whoa, road, whoa, road, whoa, road, whoa, road. <laughs> Done. Whoever got the most number of whoa roads in in that five seconds, I got nine. Anyone beat nine? Huh? 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 Yeah, uh, 15. Get out of here. You're... She went, roo, 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 roo. If you say it loud and fast, you sound like a hound. Whoa, roo, 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 roo. It's, uh, I think, an ingenious little uh, tongue twister. So there you go. That's the uh, family moment for today. Uh, and I hope I didn't cause any fights between siblings. No, I had more than you. No, you were cheating. No, I said, do it in love, like Shauna said. Forgive and forget, move on. So here's the text that we're talking about. Uh, it's Luke chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And it says this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but woe to you, thank you, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you that laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how they, their ancestors treated the false prophets. Woe. One other passage uh, that's just been grabbing me lately is something that we're supposed to pay attention to. Um, it's 1 John 5, verse 21. I read it last week, where he simply ends his book, his little message, by, his epistle by saying, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Be vigilant on protecting against idolatry. So Luke has these woes that Matthew leaves out. Um, for whatever reasons, scholars debate that. But the woes here are... We, Whereas Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who, uh, are, uh, who, who are being persecuted. Well, those folks are blessed. These folks have woes on them. Uh, it, it just means the road you're on is heading towards woe, uh, sadness, disappointment, pain, um, it's like we, we've said that the Beatitudes are all like road signs that you're on the road that leads to eternal life. You're on the road to the kingdom. We don't do these things to try to, you know, get right with God. We do them because we're getting right with God, and this is the fruit that comes out of that. 
So the Beatitudes are, are benchmarkers that we're heading in the right direction. The woes also are benchmarkers that we're moving in the wrong direction. And the woes are pronounced against those who are rich and those who are well-fed and those who are, have everyone speaking well of them and those who laugh. Now, I'll be honest with you, this sounds like bad news to me because while I maybe am not rich by American standards, if you look at it historically, if you look at it globally, I'm pretty well off. I'm certainly, if you measure wealth by the number of conveniences you have, uh, well then, I am richer than King Herod ever dreamed of being. And so whatever Jesus would have been thinking of or his audience would have been thinking of in terms of uh, who this applies to, uh, who are the rich, I would fit that criteria. And woe to those who are well-fed. Well, I'm kind of well-fed, actually a little too well-fed uh, lately. Thank you, COVID, seven pounds. It's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> who's, who's put on more weight than that? Let's have another contest. Who's getting fatter? Uh, uh, so, so am I on the wall road? And, and uh, I like to laugh. I've got to laugh. I, I, especially in, in, in down times like this, you've got to laugh. I, I find myself going back to watching reruns of Funniest Home Videos just so I can laugh, block out all the crap of the world that's going on right now and laugh at these stupid dogs and what they're doing and all the rest of it. I love that kind of humor. But am I on the war road because of this? Bless, woe to those who laugh. I'm laughing and maybe I'm making you chuckle right now too. Woe unto you, sinner friend. And then, and then woe to those who are, uh, uh, who are well spoken of. I, I get emails every day almost of uh, somebody saying thank you for this and that sermon hit me or that writing here and blah, 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 blah. And they speak well of me. So am I on the wool road? I, I appreciate all those letters. They're so encouraging. But are each one of those sending me closer down the wool, further down the wool, wool, the road of wool, wool road? What's going and if I'm, if I'm doomed, if I, you know, if I check off all the boxes on the benchmarkers on the wrong road. And if I do, I suspect most of us do, because even if you're relatively poor in America, you're still wealthy by first century Jewish peasant standards. And, 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 and probably most of us are fairly well fed, and we have some people who speak well of us, and we like to laugh some. So if I'm doomed, if I'm a goner, you're a goner. Maybe we're all goners, and I wanted to have a more positive message on the fall kickoff, but this is the best I could do. I'll try to do better next week. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> we're all doomed. All right. What's going on here? What's going on? It's important to remember that Jesus, disciple, Jesus and his disciples were thoroughly Jewish. They're, they're first century Jews, and as first century Jews, they were steeped in the Old Testament. And some of Jesus' teachings, actually quite a few of his teachings, and of the teachings of the New Testament, you, you can't really understand what they're teaching unless you put it in their Old Testament background because they, they're just steeped in the Old Testament. And that's certainly true of these woes that Jesus is pronouncing. Um, it turns out, I didn't know this till this week, and my great friend Paul Eddy enlightened me about this, that there's actually a genre of literature in the Old Testament called um, woe oracles, woe oracles. And scholars have studied this and know quite a bit about it. What, and it is what Jesus is tapping into when he pronounces these woes. He's continuing this tradition of woe oracles. Uh, these woe oracles were always spoken in the context of covenant. Like so much of the Bible, um, the, uh, the woe is a covenantal concept. And what it's saying is that if you break covenant with God, which always results in breaking covenant with others, uh, you're headed down a road of woe. 
If you're going in, the, no, it's not if you trip up here and there or make a mistake, it's, it's not saying that. But if you deliberately set off on a way of life, a course of action that is contrary to your covenant with God, a woe is pronounced over you. And it doesn't mean you're doomed. But what it is is a warning. You're heading in the wrong direction. It is God's pleading with us to turn around. Don't go down that road. Change course. These woe oracles aren't saying that if you go down this road, God's going to come and kill you. God's going to zap you. What they're saying is, if you continue down the road, here's the destiny it naturally leads to. It leads to death, ultimately. It leads to woe, ultimately. Um, it's not that God has to come and impose the sentence on you. We impose it on ourselves by going down this road. It's like, if, if you're a lifelong chain smoker, you just might get cancer in your 60s or 70s or maybe earlier, maybe later, but going down that road involves that risk. If you eat, as I said two weeks ago, 12 White Castle sliders in one sitting, you're going to have intestinal issues. God doesn't need to come down and zap you with that. No, the sliders do all the work. And so, so it, it's really a reap what you sow kind of thing. It's a cause and effect sort of thing. And God, in his love and in his mercy, is always trying to, to pull us back. Don't go down that road. He's, he's trying to influence us from, from, from going down that road that leads to destruction. But he will not coerce us. And since he will not coerce us, there can come a point where God sees that his mercy is doing no good. And at that point, God has to let us go. If that's the road you want to go down, then I have to let you go down that road. Uh, God turns people over to their sin. He gives them over to the consequences of their choices. And that's what Paul calls the wrath of God. If you read Romans 1, he says, The wrath of God has been revealed. And here's what it involves. God giving people over to the reprobate mind. Which means that God first was trying to hold on to them. But there comes a point where God says, i got to let you go. You're a free agent. If that's what you choose, i got to respect that. And now we're going down the woe road. So it's against this background that we need to understand Jesus' teachings here. Jesus isn't saying that there's anything intrinsically evil about being wealthy or about being well-fed or about laughing or about having people speaking well of you. But what he's saying is if you are wealthy or well-fed or are laughing or are seeking popularity in a way that breaks covenant with God, uh, then you're on a woe road. The woes are pronounced over you. Um, it's not... Laughter in general, it's a specific kind of laughter, a specific way of being wealthy. You break covenant with God. And the way that we always break covenant with God at its base is by committing, a, committing idolatry. Uh, the way that we break covenant with God is when we use anything in our life, could be anything, to play a role in our life that only God is supposed to play. That's idolatry, and it sets you on the woe road. So for example, if uh, you are, you're wealthy, that's fine if you're submitted to God and are using it for kingdom purposes. That's wonderful, actually. But uh, if you make an idol out of that, if it becomes sort of part of your identity, the reason why you feel good about life, uh, you feel most fully alive while you're acquiring this wealth, if, you, if you're getting life from that, well, see, now you're not going to be outrageously generous towards others because you're hoarding. It's yours. This is what gives you life. And that already breaks covenant with God because we're told to live with outrageous generosity, following the example of Jesus Christ. But more fundamental than that, you're feeding off of a false god, the false god of mammon. And the degree to which you're getting full of that false god of mammon is the degree that you're not going to be hungry for the true god. The degree to which you're craving to get your riches here and now is the degree that you're not going to be concerned with, let alone hungry for, the riches that God promises us at the end of the age. 
And see, that hunger sets you down the woe road. It's our hunger that determines what road we're on. If we're craving the here and now, have your best life now without any thought of the future, well, that is what Jesus calls the woe road. But if we're hungering and thirsting for the kingdom of God and his right relatedness, well, now we're going down the right road. The hunger determines the road that we go down. Uh, it's the same thing with being well-fed. Now, in the ancient world, being well-fed doesn't mean that you're just full after a meal. Uh, it means that you can feed well. Uh, a person who's well-fed is one who's got a safety net. Uh, you're able to provide for your family and for yourself. Uh, during lean times, when famine hits and everyone else is going hungry, uh, no, you have, you have your storehouses. You're well-fed. You can provide. So it's, a, it's about security. And in a world where there are far too many hungry people and in a world where there's far too little security for vast multitudes of people, they live hand to mouth. In, in that world, to have, some, to have a buffer, to have a safety net, to have something, some, some provisions is a real blessing. Not everyone has that. But every blessing is a potential curse if we begin to make an idol out of it. And it can become an idol. You start to feel good about yourself because of the security that you provide. Uh, it, it, it's, the, it's the barometer that tells you how you're doing in life. And the minute it becomes an idol, well, you're not going to be sharing with others during a famine uh, who are in need because you're providing for you and your own. And that already breaks covenant with God. That's not how we're supposed to live. But more fundamentally, you're feeding off a false god. You're feeding off the false god of security now, and that means that you're not going to be interested in, let alone hungry for, the true security that God wants to provide for you at the end of the age. Hungering for the security now, whether you're hungry determines what road you're on, and that's not the right the road, the, the road that you want to be on. Something similar is true of laughter. Jesus isn't saying that laughter is intrinsically evil or anything like that. Uh, we need more laughter, actually. But he's talking about giving these war, war, war oracles. Uh, he's talking about laughing in a way that breaks covenant with God. Now, one obvious way of doing that is when you laugh in a way that belittles somebody. When you laugh, when you weaponize laughter and you use it for scorn or reviling somebody or, or mocking somebody, obviously that is breaking covenant with God. But a lot of scholar, scholars argue that Jesus is talking about more than that. Because all the other things he's mentioning are lifestyle issues. They're not like particular behaviors. And some scholars argue, and I, I agree with this, that what he's getting at is kind of a laughing lifestyle or a party lifestyle, the carefree party lifestyle, the entertainment lifestyle where people live, the, the point of life is to have as much fun as possible and to push out as much inconvenience and pain as possible. You want to party now. You want to be the life of the party. Turn life into a party. Uh, see, to be able to have some, some, some carefree time available, that is a privilege and that, that, that's a blessing, but it can become an idol uh, where you, you, you live like, like there's no accountability, like there's no purpose to life, like there's no calling on life, like there's nothing serious about life. Uh, you know, forget tomorrow, live like there is no tomorrow. That's the kind of party lifestyle. Happy-go-lucky, don't, don't care about a thing. And if you're getting life from that, you see, you're not going to be hungry for the, the eternal party that God's preparing for all those who, to, who love him. You're getting your fullness now. You're getting your fullness now. Same thing with being well spoken of. There's nothing wrong with having people who like you. But there's something very wrong with trying to get everybody to like you. Trying to get everyone's approval. A person who's got that idol, they're, they're not going to be able to stand up for truth and speak hard truth when, when maybe some people are going to disagree with that or even get angry about that. 
Uh, no, they'll just be a conformist. And that's not how God wants us to live. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. We're supposed to have some backbone when it comes to things that really matter. But more fundamentally, if popularity is your God, well, then well, you're feeding off of a false God. And the, the more that you're getting life from the approval of human beings here and now is the degree that you're not going to be hungry for the approval that really matters at the end of the age. That's what Jesus is getting at with these woes. When we understand this, it helps us better understand why Jesus, at least in Luke's version, he says, blessed are those who are poor and who are hungry, not are not well-fed, and who mourn, they don't laugh, and who are persecuted, they're not popular, blessed are they. Now he's not saying that there's anything in- intrinsically righteous about being poor or hungry uh, or, or about mourning uh, or about uh, being persecuted. There's nothing intrinsically virtuous about that. In fact, these are all wrongs that we should be working to eradicate from the, the, this world. But they have one advantage. Um, and, and that is this. If, if, you, if, if you are by your lot in life, if you're poor, you're not tempted to get life from how rich you are. And if you're well-fed, uh, or if, if, if you're hungry, your situation in life is such that you just are hungry, you can't get life from how well-fed and how secure you are. And if you're in mourning, then you can't get life from how, what a party life you're living. And if, if you're being persecuted, you're probably not worried about how popular you are. The one advantage is that you're not tempted by all these idols here. Now, I'm sure they have other idols, because idol idolatry is not economic-specific. We all have idols but they're protected from these idols. It's, they're just not available to them. And I, I imagine to his first century audience, this was kind of reassuring because his first century audience are first century peasant Jews and all these folks are poor. All these folks are often hungry. They live hand to mouth, most of them do. Uh, all these folks are in mourning because they're in the oppressive, uh, under the oppressive Roman regime and all these people are persecuted. For the same reason, they're under the Roman oppression regime. So when Jesus talks about woes to the rich and to the well-fed and to those who laugh and to those who are well-spoken of, these folks would be thinking of other people, understandably, because they're not there. It's reassuring to them. But I submit to you that it's not so reassuring to us today because these things are available to us. Uh, far more than they were available to them. And so we are tempted to make an idol out of our wealth or out of our security or out of how, how we're the life of the party or how popular we are. These are temptations for us. In fact, the truth is that these things aren't just available to us. They come after us with a, with a relentless ruthlessness. We're bombarded with this message 24-7 that we're supposed to be chasing our life here and now, get your best life here and now. So like everywhere you turn, you see a commercial. I, I did this little research this week and I found out this, that in the 1970s, they say that the average person saw 500 to 1,500 commercials a day. Um, by 2007, it was up to 4,000 commercials a day. And in 2019, on average, they say it's about 10,000 uh, commercials a day. Now, we don't notice most of these because it's so pervasive, but I mean, People drive cars now that are selling stuff. You go to sit down on any public bench and there's some advertisements all over the place. Billboards, you watch shows, you get bombarded with the commercials. Thank God for that, uh, those devices that can get you through that once in a while. What do they call them? It's not TiVo any longer. Whatever that is, they can speed through commercials. I love that because I hate commercials. But the commercials are everywhere. Internet, magazines, you, you name it. Um, and it's model force all around us. It's coming at us. And every one of these messages are saying, hey, if you want to live the full life, the complete life, have your best life now, well, then you need this or you need that. You need the other thing. 
And all of them are communicating the message that true life is found in how much fame you have, how people respect you, how you get this attention, how you have this kind of comfort, how you can have this kind of pleasure, blah, 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 blah. And all of it at its root is, is, is a lie. But this is what we're bombarded with 24-7. It's, 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 and what it means, folks, is that we have got to take 1 John 5.21 very, very seriously. Guard your hearts against idols. We've got to be aware that there is, in this fallen, oppressed world, a sort of gravitational pull that everything has. It's, it's the equivalent of the physical law of gravity, right? Everything that's, that, that's got mass pulls. Okay, that's gravity. Well, everything in this life that's a positive, it also pulls. Um, it, it, your nice voice, your ability to do this or to acquire riches or to be popular or whatever. There is a pull there. We've got to be aware of it. And it's all saying, give more devotion to me. Make me the treasure of your heart. Make me the reason why you live. Make me the focus of your attention. At least more than you're doing now. There's an idolatrous pull. And every one of those pulls, Paul talks about in Romans 1, is a step towards worshiping the creature rather than the creator. It's a step towards idolatry. It's a step towards getting our worth, our significance, our innermost value as a human being from our wealth or from our popularity or from the, how, how we're the life of the party or fill in the blank. All of that is idolatry. And see, we grab it, but if we're not careful, it grabs us. We think we own it, but it can end up owning us. We think, oh, well, I'll just use it, but it ends up using us if we're not careful to guard our hearts against idolatry. And the degree to which we're getting full of food from idols is the degree that we're not hungry for the true food, the bread of life that, that God promises us now and at the end of the age. To the degree that we're trying to have it all now, we're forfeiting the promise of God to have it all later on. The thing... If you're saying to yourself, gosh, I, shouldn't be, I, 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 should, I should be hungry for, for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says that's the first thing. That's, you're hungry, he turns the road you're on. So I got to make myself hungry for, for, for God's kingdom and righteousness uh, and, and, and live with that in view. The thing is, you can't make yourself do that. How do you make yourself hungry? If you're not hungry, you're not hungry. The way to make yourself hungry is to stop eating. And the way to make yourself hungry for the kingdom of God the way to make yourself hungry for, for healthy food is to stop eating the chocolate. And see, if you keep on eating chocolate, you, you, if that's your steady diet, that becomes sort of the focus of your life where well, you're on the road to sickness and ultimately death. But if you'll abstain from the chocolate, a hunger will arise because your soul is hungry and, and now it will drive you towards the healthy food and now you're on a road to life and to health. It's the same thing in spiritual matters. The reason we don't hunger and thirst for God as much as we ought to is because we've got so much clutter, so much competition, so many other dividing loyalties. We don't know it. We're not aware of it. But each one of those loyalties sucks a little bit of our passion out for the kingdom of God. I, I uh, have a friend I want to tell you, tell you who illustrates this, I think, in an incredible way. Uh, his name is Scott. He gave me permission to talk about him. I've known Scott for about 20 years, and um, he's a good friend. He's got a severe form of uh, multiple sclerosis. And um, with this disease, your muscles just atrophy over time. Uh, and so Scott was, as a young man, he was uh, kind of a superstar. He played the piano great. He... he he sang great. He played the guitar great. He was a worship leader. He was good looking. Uh, he looked like he was on his way to, to superstardom. Had everything going for him. And then around the age of 16 or 17, if my memory serves me correctly, he discovered he's got MS. 
and he knew that fate that that would bring. And as always happens with MS, uh, he gradually lost various uses of his body. Uh, there came a time where he couldn't walk on his own anymore. And there came a time where he couldn't use his arms any longer. Uh, so he couldn't play the guitar or the piano any longer, though he still gives piano lessons. And I'm told he's really, really good if you're looking for some piano lessons. Um, but he gradually loses it all. And now he's in his 50s. And um, he has now the use, the only thing that can, he can move in his body is his wrists and uh, his fingers uh, a little bit. And it's amazing what he can do with just the, that wrist and those fingers. This guy a couple of years ago took a cross-country trip from Minnesota down to Florida on his own with using his three fingers. He has a special vehicle that he can drive and do everything he needs to do with those, just those three fingers. It's really quite amazing. But that's the state he's been, been brought to. Um, it hasn't been a happy endeavor. It's been a real struggle for him. And you can understand why. I'm amazed that he's able to keep his... His, his character and his positivity and his humor in the midst of just seeing this constant drain, this constant loss in his life. But it's been tough. I got a call from Scott uh, the other night and, and uh, uh, he, he, was, he was in a pretty bad place. This year's been tough for everybody, but it has been brutal on Scott, just brutal. He's had a, uh, on top of all the other junk that's going on right now, he's had a string of illnesses. He's had to be hospitalized a couple times. His lungs, uh, have, the muscles around his lungs have gotten too weak to breathe on their own. He now has to use an oxygen tank 24-7. And he tells me that, that this is the way that folks with MS usually die. Uh, the lungs just quit working and you suffocate, die of pneumonia or some other kind of complication. Uh, and in fact, Scott has outlived the life expectancy of people with his kind of MS. Uh, his doctor tells him that he doesn't know of any other case of someone living this long. He's in his mid-50s now. Um, but it's, his body's atrophying. Um, he broke his wrist a couple months ago as they were stretching and he has to do these stretching exercises and somehow his wrist snapped and it's the wrist that he uses to steer his wheelchair and so now he's got trouble navigating that as if he needs one more problem. It's just one thing after another and there's a whole lot of misery that I can't even share with you. But he, the kind of the last straw happened the other night when he was getting ready for bed and um, his bed broke. He's got a mechanical bed, a special bed that he, he, he rests in. And it broke, which means he, he can't raise it up to sleep on an incline. And you may think, oh, boo-hoo, you know, sorry you can't have maximal comfort. But for, for, for Scott, this is huge because if he lays straight on his back for 15 minutes or so, his back begins to knot up for some reason. It, be, it turns into a giant charley horse and it will not go away until he is raised up. It's excruciatingly painful. So there's no possibility of him sleeping in that, but there's also no possibility of, uh, possibility of him sleeping anywhere else. So he has to sleep in his, his wheelchair. And he says he can't sleep in his wheelchair. It just does not work. He's had to try it be before. And the really bad news is that it's going to take three days for that mechanical piece to, to, to get to him so they can fix his bed. So he's got three days of this sleeping in a wheelchair to put up with on top of everything else he's already got. And it was just breaking this guy. I talked to him after the first night, and, and, and he didn't sleep a wink, not a wink. And he's got two more nights ahead of him. And as he's describing his situation to me, my heart just broke. It just broke. I, like, he needs one more thing on top of everything else. Um, this life can sometimes be so viciously cruel. It, it's just, and so I just get a picture of Scott in his room alone. 
He's got aides that are there, but the aides can't be 24-7, so there's periods where he's got to be by himself. And you picture this guy at 3 o'clock. Oh, and on top of that, I didn't mention this. He's got some bizarre pain in his right leg. It, this shooting, excruciating hot pain, and the doctors can't explain it. And it just comes on him whenever. And he says it's just, when he is sleeping, it just wakes him up, and he wakes up screaming. It's like this, this incredible pain on top of everything else. And so here he is alone in this apartment. I think I'm at 3 a.m., and... Uh, He's got this pain and he's got this fatigue and all the other stuff that life's given to him. And if, he, if his nose itches, he can't scratch it. If he wants a drink of water, he can't get it. And so as he's talking to me, he's kind of bottoming out here. It's like, and usually when you talk with somebody who's in pain and in despair, you look for something positive, okay? There's, what can you grab onto to just kind of get him through the period? You know what, well, you know, have you, thank God we've got this or something, but in his case, if you're looking at it in terms of this world, what positive can I give him? Everything's been taken from him. What would you grab onto? There's nothing there. And so at first, the only thing I could do is just cry with him for a little brief period of time before he has to go on his long night adventure alone. Um, I just heart broke with him. But then there came a point where I, I, I finally said the one positive thing I could say, and that is, and it's the truest thing I could say, and that is, Scott, I, I can tell you, I can promise you on the word of God that it's not always going to be like this. Sometimes that's the only good news you got. It's not always going to be like this. This is nightmarishly bad, but it's not always going to be like this. In fact, and I don't know how much of this I shared with Scott or not, but, but, but we talked about this coming kingdom and how that's going to be the fulfillment of our dreams. And Paul goes so far as to say in Romans 8 that, that the sufferings of this present world can't be compared to the glory which God has in store for those who love him. Can't be compared. Now, when I look, if I'm looking at Scott in this situation here, I'd be happy to break even. <laughs> Will it be worth it? But Paul says it's unimaginably worth it doesn't even weigh on the scales. And so, can you imagine a reality that is so good, so beautiful, so fulfilling, so satisfying, so, so absolutely what life is supposed to be, so wonderful that it renders even this nightmare that this guy's been going through for 35 years as his body has been whittling away, would render that inconsequential, not even worth mentioning. It's inconceivable, but man, does it do the heart a world of good to every once in a while try? Imagine that kind of beauty because that is what lies at the end of the road blessed. The blessed road is to this beatific vision, this blessed state that renders all this inconsequential. And as, I, as we were talking about this, I don't know, I, I all of a sudden got a clarity about the kingdom and I felt a depth of longing for the kingdom that I don't know if I've ever had before. Uh, it, it, it all of a sudden seemed to me, as we're talking here, so obviously true that, that this is heading towards a glorious destination. And you think the opposite. Given this ugly situation, we should question all that. But to me, as we were talking here, it just became so clear. Because in the case of Scott, this is all he's got. He's got nothing else to hang. He's got no other lifeline, no other ropes. This is it. If this isn't true, I did say this to him at one point, if this isn't true, then we are all so screwed. Because uh, see, it's like this, either, either the New Testament is true and Jesus rose from the dead and, and we have this glorious ending promised us, either that's true and this story turns out to be one that is, has a glorious ending and makes sense out of, at least compensates for Scott's suffering and the suffering of others throughout this world. Either that's true or this is one absurd, sick, 
persistent, obscene joke. This whole life is just, either we are part of the most glorious love story ever told, I really believe this to the core of my being, or we're part of the sickest joke ever told. If there's no point, no reason, if this is all there is, there's just chemicals and combustion, that's all there is, then the Big Bang is like some kind of cosmic flatulence, you know, except that no one passed it. It's just a boom, there it was. It's got no meaning, no rhyme, no reason, it just stinks. And, and it's all just chemical combustion. If that's true, but the number one, I don't know how I could ever know that that's true. Because if it's all just chemicals in motion, then everything I'm saying right now is just chemicals in motion, chemical combustion. And chemical combustions don't have any truth value. They're like a burp or a flatulent. They just happen, all right? The Big Bang just happens. Everything just happens. So this is just happening. So the statement, it's true that there's no purpose to life, can't be true if there's no purpose to life, if it's all just chemical combustions. That's a little free philosophical point I just thought I'd throw in there for no good reason. But beyond that, if this, if this is all there is, then that means that the story of Scott's life is not a story at all. It's just a, a, an ex- expression of pain. It, it, it's a sick joke. You're born in this world. You're a healthy kid. You got all these talents. You got everything going for you. You got your hopes and dreams like, like kids are supposed to have. And then one by one for the next 35, 40 years of your life, it's taken away from you. You just watch it go away, go away. And then the final end is you suffocate to death. And that's all there is to be said about it. See, even apart for all my reasons, my historical and philosophical reasons for believing that Jesus rose from the dead, and I think I got really good reasons for believing that, but even apart from that, every fiber of my moral being, when I think about the possibility that this life is it, it's, you're born, you suffer, and then you die, every fiber of my being cries out, that is impossible, that is too ugly to be true, it's too gross to be true, it's obscene. Here we are, beings that have all this purpose and we have rationality and all this longing for meaning and all this, and it corresponds to nothing out there. We're like, we're freaks of nature. It's a, it, it, the whole of reality is a sick joke if that is the whole story. My heart broke as I listened to him. And, uh, but see, here's the thing. That clarity, I believe, that clarity happened because for Scott, all the clutter is, is it, it, his, his situation is desperate, it's unthinkable, but it's got one advantage. There's one upside to this. And that is that he has a crystal clarity about where his hope is. Having had everything else taken away, he knows that if this is not true, then nothing's worth being true. This is his only hope. This is his one hunger. This is his source of life. Everything else has been taken away. And see, that hunger puts him on the blessed road, the blessed road. The truth is that the coming kingdom, the, 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 our, our vision of the kingdom will be clear to the degree and our hunger for the kingdom will be intense to the degree that we're not stuffing ourselves with false food. See, the reality is that we are all in the situation of Scott. If, if you're over 22, your body's been starting to decay more than it's producing new cells. My body's been atrophying for 35 years. Um, uh, it's, it's just that his disease causes him to do it in fast forward motion. But we're all essentially in the same spot. And so we're all called to have a hope in the kingdom as though there was nothing else we could possibly hope in because as a matter of truth, it is our only hope, as much for us as it is for Scott. Everything you can see fades away, everything. There's nothing that you can grab onto, no positive in your life that is not going to eventually leave you if the Lord doesn't return soon. Think about that. It is dust in the wind, ultimately. 
your fame, your fortune, your bank accounts, your popularity, all blah, 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 dust in the wind. And if that's where your identity is, and if that's the road you're going down, well, then that's what you become too. When it becomes dust in the wind, you're dust in the wind. That's why it says the road of woe is the road that leads to death. There's one thing and one thing only that does not fade, that does not decay, that does not atrophy, that does not change, that does not come and go. And that is the immortal God and the kingdom that he has established through the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This God didn't come into being and he has no threat of ever going out of being. Uh, this, this God is eternally one and the same. He's, he's the rock, he's the foundation. And, and kingdoms can come and kingdoms can go and empires can rise and empires can fall and celebrities can reign for a while and then they turn into nothing. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put all of your hope in him, hunger for him and for his right relatedness. And to do that, all you gotta do is stop eating chocolate. So I wanna, I wanna ask this question. Um, what do you really hungry for? And be honest with yourself. Ask the Spirit to help you be honest with yourself. Uh, we're, what we're trying to get here is what Sheeta preached about last week, that purity of heart, that singularity of ultimate, it's, it's okay to enjoy things, but ask the question, are they too important to you? Do they have their hooks in you? Are, do they have your allegiance? How much time and energy did you, are, is con, consumed by thinking about them and protecting them? Ask the Spirit to do an inventory of your inner life. And if you find that there's something that has become idolatrous, I want to ask you to make a commitment to let that go, to start fasting from it, to back off of that, to create more hunger for Jesus Christ and his righteousness and the kingdom that's coming. If you make that choice, if you make that decision to turn, I encourage you to tell someone about it because I mean, there's all sorts of studies that show that when, when, when you take an action step after a commitment, it seals it. Tell someone about it or tell a couple people about it, people that are involved in your life, people that you trust and ask them to help you do it because it's not easy. Well, we're habitual creatures. You've got to change habits. You're going to have to change some stuff and invite them in on this process because the truth is we can't do this alone. We cannot do this alone. We're swimming upstream, 10,000 commercials a day in a culture that models the absolute opposite of what the kingdom's all about. You think you can handle that on your own? We need one another. This is part of what the body of Christ is for. Uh, and the body of Christ is, is the connectedness of all God's people in a certain locale. It's, so, so we are an expression of the body of Christ to the degree that we're connected. Our lives meaningfully intersect with one another. Most, you can only have a couple people in on the inner circle to deal with the real deep, tough stuff, but all of our lives are supposed to be connected. In fact, the New Testament doesn't even have a conception of a Lone Ranger Christian doing it on their own. We need one another. Now, of course, with this pandemic, Lord help us with this pandemic, there's an obstacle. We can't be in physical proximity uh, the way we used to be. But that obstacle should not be a hiatus. An obst that obstacle is something, that, that, what that means is we just got to get better at finding ways to get connected in other ways. But it should never mean a pause, a hiatus. Listen to this now, because this is huge. So much in this COVID culture right now has been put on hiatus. And we keep thinking, okay, when the pandemic ends, I'll get back to you, blah, 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 blah. And it can easily happen that we do that with our spirituality and that we do that with the church. Well, I guess I can't, you know, be very invested in church right now. You got COVID and, and we blame COVID on everything. But see, there's a million ways that we can get connected other than just getting together on the weekends in physical proximity. Uh, if anything, 
don't ever put your, your spirituality on pause because if you think it's on pause, if you think you're coasting, you're actually going backwards. There's a gravitational pull that will pull you downward. If we're not intentionally working at getting closer, we're getting farther. Think about that. Never put your spirituality on, on pause and we can never put the church on pause. We are the church. We must stay connected. So we thought, a lot of times we end the message by having a panel discussion on different questions or whatever. But since this is the kickoff of our fall season, we thought it'd be good to... Uh, just briefly review the ways that you can get connected. And I encourage you to pay attention to these. Uh, stay involved in the body of Christ. The cohesive, this spiritual unity that we have, I've sensed it intensifying as we're going through this, and I want us to press in on the, in that direction. So we come out of this thing stronger than we were going into this thing. So I'd like to ask Rob uh, Kistler and, and Shauna Bourne to come up here, and we're going to talk about some of the cool things that are happening at Wilden Hills Church. For about the next five minutes, stay tuned and be informed on this. Coming up. Thank you so much, Greg, for sharing that message with us. I um, love toward the end there when you really challenged us to not be lone rangers, that we cannot go at this alone. And... Oh. Uh, part of avoiding the woe road is to, is to stay connected and to be in community with other believers, other brothers and sisters who can help us in this kingdom walk. And it is so important, like we come either virtually or, or however to consume uh, the sermons that Greg gives, but that's not all we're meant to do with them. We are meant to take them in uh, digest them, and then walk them out. Like, we are, we are meant to come alive with the things that we're learning and hearing. And the best way, the most effective way to walk these things out is together with other believers. And so that is so important. Like Greg said, we know that during this COVID season, many things are distant, and many things seem to have gone away. But the church hasn't gone away. Because we are the church. Amen. And we continue to live out the things of the kingdom together while we're physically distant. And so physically, things in Woodland Hills Church haven't gone away. We have continued on. They've morphed into something very different. And so yeah. normally this would kind of be like our big fall kickoff weekend. And everyone would kind of see where they want to get plugged in. And so you're going to get plugged in plugged in <laughs> virtually um, <laughs> and, and that is a-okay because the goal is to stay connected and to not uh, go backwards. We are always supposed to be growing and maturing in our faith and we do that by staying connected to others. So We are not a collection of individuals. That's right. Okay? We're networked together and we have to retain that sense of us. Right. Uh, right. More so now than ever. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so um, I, I'd like to just review some of the things yeah. that are available. Um, if you just kind of say what it is and give a little description of it, and kind of break it down into different categories. Yeah. Um, what are some ways, Shauna, that people who consider Wilderness Hills Church to be their home can get connected with one another in terms of uh, maybe uh, things that they need? Uh, how can the body serve? How can we be connected in serving one another? So, like, how can people find support, yes. get help with one another. You know, actually, sure. that's why we have yeah. Rob here. He's okay, an Rob. expert on that. <laughs> Shauna punts. First question, she punts. That's what I do. Uh, right. Um, you may not have met me before. My name is Rob Kistler. I'm the care pastor here, one of the pastors, as everyone says. Yep. Um, and if you're looking for help, if you're 
really in a place where you're needing help. One of the places that we offer is lay counseling. These are people in the congregation who said, yep, I want to help, and it's meeting one-on-one. -on -one. They've actually been trained for a year. So for a year, these people have been sitting under training. And in addition to the typical alphabet soup of CBT and DBT and those things, yeah, there's also NLP. And that's one of the things, Greg, that you wrote the book, Escaping the Matrix. And that is one of our pillar books for the lay counseling so program. So you know it's got to be good. Yeah. So you know it's got to be good. <laughs> High quality or else completely stuff. heretical, one of the two. I, I, and I, I have to say that over the years, I mean, we've, we've had this program went for... 10, over 15, 15 yeah. over 15, and, not quite and 20. it's. I love hearing testimonies from people who just were helped by, by your counselors. Yeah. Uh, now it used to be for just for people who couldn't afford uh, counseling. Is it available to anybody now, or what's what's the? It's well, it, our first person. Our first best candidate is the person who doesn't have insurance and can't afford, or has the million dollar deductible and doesn't have insurance. That's our first person that we try to serve. But there are other people who. Um, really do like the escaping the matrix kind of paradigm mm. and we can serve them even though they have insurance but yeah. if you have insurance we're gonna try we'll help and we'll help you with this help direct you to some counseling resources in the community that can that can help with that. excellent so, excellent okay um, another thing that we do we have the refuge mm. and if you go out to the website and look at the refuge groups and you go, okay, I am super depressed about COVID right now and I don't see a depression group, I still would encourage you to check out a refuge group because as you well know, Greg, and the refuge is really a community that has an ethos of we're gonna be real, we're not pretending, yep. we're gonna support one another, they're support groups. So even if it's not directly about what you're feeling, I encourage you to find one that's kind of a middle ground, you know, like a neutral middle groundish kind of group, jump in and I absolutely really believe you'll get supported and be able to grow even if it's not directly related to that. So, And, and you know, if there's a support group there, it's maybe something that you've already kicked, you've already handled right. it, but you want to come back and help others, I mean, that, that's a... That's that a beautiful point. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, you can bring your healing. That's how I started in the refuge. Mm. I got involved in a group after I had gotten some healing in an area, and then now we started a group in that. So absolutely, great point. Fantastic. Um, the third thing we have is actually kind of two different pieces to it, and that's prayer. So one, on one hand, if you wanted to come right after the service, if you're on the Woodland Hills site, right at the bottom, underneath there's these three little buttons. One of those buttons says, get prayer. That will start you down to another Woodland Hills site, which will take you out to Zoom. And then on Zoom, we can get you connected with a couple of prayer ministers. You can engage in that right now, after the service. Not right now, but after the service. Um, that's one way you can immediately get prayer. Man, I would love to see some of the people from the Pacific Northwest jump on yeah. and just jump in with a couple of our prayer ministers and you guys can intercede together. We can pray for you if you're directly being impacted. Um, so there's just any that's host great. of things are way that, that need prayer. If you've got a weight on your shoulders, come get prayer. Fantastic. Fantastic. So that's one. And then on, um, we have on Wednesday evenings what we are calling trio prayer. But this is really about an hour long time of prayer where if you're familiar with Emmanuel prayer, it's similar to that. If you're familiar with um, seeing is believing, um, it's very similar imaginative to that. Imaginative prayer. That, imaginative that, prayer, that, okay. what Greg calls cataphatic prayer, using your imagination, bringing Jesus into a, into a situation. Um, but there's people there to kind of help guide mm. or help you walk through it so you won't feel all wow. alone in it. So there's that. And then the other side of the same coin, if you're 
wanting some spiritual warfare prayer, if you're wanting to kind of clean your house mm -hmm. internally, your own heart house, if you will, mm -hmm. um, that same group of people can help facilitate that. And so we do spiritual warfare type prayer as well. Lord, just for the people who need to be hearing this, help them to just pay yeah. attention right yeah, now yeah, and yeah, lock yeah, this yeah, in. Yeah, Because, uh, yeah. misses, this is, this is important stuff. And yeah. it's a real blessing to have that available. Right. Well, one of the ministries that's kind of along the same lines that I've been involved in is the TAP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's a support ministry for people with disabilities, though, that we don't like that label. Right. Uh, their slogan is proudly disabled. Yeah. And it's a ministry where really what we do is we just throw a party. Um, and you know, Jesus says, when you throw a party, don't invite all the, your friends and all the people that you know who can pay you back. Right. Go out and invite the people who never get invited to parties. Yeah. Well, th this, client, this group of people are about the most invisible people in our culture. They're yeah. just invisible. And so we have a party, and they come, and uh, they share stuff, and, and then, but everyone's invited to be part of this. Yeah. Uh, and it is, I have found the kingdom there in such profound ways. Now, what yeah. we're doing during COVID is uh, we have a Monday night meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, we usually have karaoke and things like that. Which is, and they right, still right, have that right. once a month where they, they'll travel around oh, a they? person's house in, in a caravan oh. and then they do croaky from the car. Awesome. It's, it's oh, really, awesome. And they, throw, yeah, they just throw parties for everybody. But uh, Monday night from 6 to 9, mm -hmm. uh, if you go to yourtap.org, yourtap.org, uh, they have an online talk and it goes, and you can pop in and pop out. I usually get in for about an hour sure. um, and, and just talk with people. And sometimes cool. people read a poem or sing a song or whatever. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So everyone's invited to, uh, to be a part of that. If you want to either help people who have got disabilities or you sure. yourself have one or a loved one has one, this is a great community. It's absolutely cool. fantastic. That's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Okay, how about uh, like uh, ministries that, uh, that are more age group uh, specific? What are some yeah. of the things yeah. that are going on now? Is it okay if I ask you about this? Or <laughs> you can. Okay. I think like, I will take this and run with it. Okay. Well, Rob, okay. you should do it. You don't want to take it? I, no, I'm good. <laughs> it's not going to intercept it. Yeah. yeah. Football's back. No. Football's um, back. Sort of. So yeah, I love all the different expressions we have to support one another and those in our community. And if that's not your particular need at this moment, you can still stay connected to Woodland Hills. Um, if you are or had been a part of the children's ministry, I know that you miss coming through the doors. We miss seeing the kiddos come through the doors and, and go up the halls into their classrooms and hang out with their teachers and get these amazing lessons. We, we are missing that in person, but it hasn't ceased. It hasn't stopped. It's just moved online. So Heroes Gate, they have worked so hard to get all of their programming online. So make sure that you check that out. The same with our youth ministry. Like young people, I know it's been a minute for you guys, but young people <laughs> love, <laughs> not so Boom. much just me. Yeah, yeah, not you. Oh, I miss spring chicken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they love to get together. And I think it's been really difficult for them not to. And, and they're so oh, like sure. touchy and they want to hug and mm. they're just so loving. And, and we have this beautiful uh, community of young people who love Jesus and love one another passionately. And that they've not been able to physically be together. However, they have continued to meet online. They've continued to stay connected in that way. And now that we're into fall, they are coming together safely, socially distanced mm -hmm. with all the precautions. Once a month, they're actually physically in the building having a service. Mm -hmm. And it looks different, but it is a, a small And they are way. really spread oh, out. I they mean, truly it, yes. are spread out. Whole, it is, I think they probably like want to like, yeah, you know? right, right. Those virtual hugs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, so if you are uh, 7th through 12th grade, please check out Echo. You will not be sorry. And our young adult ministry has just kind mm -hmm. of revamped and kicked off. So they too have been yeah. meeting. What um, age group is that? Uh, 18 to 20 something, early 20s. Okay. So they have been meeting outdoors. 
uh, but still physically distant and masks and just all the proper precautions, but staying connected to one another as a group as well. And we have this like really sassy, vibrant 65 plus group. Like <laughs> they are a bunch of I'm too of, young yeah. for that group, but I'm, I'm right, getting there. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they have continued to, to stay connected and to gather. And it's like they yeah. do coffee and right. movies and virtually. All uh, the stuff, yeah. They're a bunch of little party animals. Yeah, it's they are. amazing. Well, right. know, uh, can folks find all these ministries listed on the website? Yeah. Right there, and we'll so guys. our communications team is pretty brilliant. They have this page uh, that you could tap on saying that's, that's entitled Stay Connected. And so all of these things Good. are listed there. So yeah. it's, it's pretty easy to, to How find. How about... Uh, uh, Staying connected around like common interests, Rob. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you have to say um, the first thing that pops into mind for me is cultivate, and yeah. these are our classes that we offer. And in the past, we've always offered them one night a week, and of course, you had to be local. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm really fired up about this fall is we're spreading them out across the week. And obviously, you can be in Walla Walla, Washington, and be a part Walla, of the Walla, cultivate Washington class. Walla Walla, Washington people, you are invited. I love that city name. Walla, I do. Walla, I do. Washington. It's just an awesome city name. And um, see, now I'm thrown off. Uh, cultivate. But anyway, so the classes are available to everybody. And for instance, let me give you an example. Discover the Kingdom is like our foundational mm-hmm. one of the classes we always are pointing people to, and it's a class we always offer. Mm-hmm. It's always been on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Well, this time because of the lovely and talented and her ruggedly handsome husband, oh, yeah, yes. uh, they are going to be facilitating it. I'm not sure about it. that last one there, but we'll, 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 <laughs> oh, for we'll sure. go with it. We'll go oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, spoken from experience, he's ruggedly handsome. That's right. Anyway, it's on Sunday nights. Yeah. Now, we can't help you if you live in a time zone that 6 p.m. is 4 a.m. in your time zone. Sorry. But... Uh, for the rest These of classes you, are worth staying up for all that's night. Right. That's right. You've had that, though. You've had people stay up yeah. for oh, sure, spiritual sure. warfare class. I, I, it, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I, I've been in, talked to a couple of these classes, and you get somebody from New Zealand, you yeah. know, or yeah. from China or whatever. Right. It, it, right. It's really uh, awesome to have it's all those folks together. It's amazing. I love it. So we totally invite you, part of our body from around the world and our local body, you might be able to find something that you hadn't been able to because you were working on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. That's fantastic. So really excited about that. Um, The other thing I was going to mention is, um, hello, brain. Um, Prayer together. Prayer. So on Tuesday nights, we have a group that prays for the missionaries and for the prayer requests that come into the church and for kind of the church in general. Wow. And that group prays on uh, on a conference call. They all call into a phone number and they pray together. I and want to thank those people for yeah. praying like that, man. That's keep amazing. us covered. Yep. We need it. And feel the difference. I really right. appreciate yeah. those prayer words. so powerful. And then we additionally on Wednesday night have another group that more so specifically prays for Woodland Hills. And for the Thank different... you, you folks. I love you guys. Keep <laughs> and, us covered. And the, and the Wednesday night group, it's more strategic to what, what's happening here at Woodland. And... And, and so there's two different prayer groups that you could become a part of to get connected in that regard. Fantastic. So the other thing that I was going to mention is Life on Purpose. Mm. And Life on Purpose is a really neat group of folks who are specifically dialed in on spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. Mm. And they're constantly practicing. And they'll even repeat and go back because we're all growing and we're in a different place maybe a year down the road. And so exploring fasting a year from now might be different for me than it is today. Nancy, the whole thing about getting free from idolatry and Mm -hmm. that's the kind of group you need, you know, to be reinforcing this because you're swimming upstream and it is 
It, it, it's not easy. That's no. exactly what I was thinking as I was thinking of the Life on Purpose group. Exactly that, Greg. And one of the books that they use, the book they're going to start using tomorrow night, they're kicking off tomorrow night, is Ruth Haley Barton's um, Sacred Rhythms. But one of the other books that they often come back to is, and it's a real kind of a pillar book for them, is uh, Crucifixion of the Warrior God. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I was going to say, Thanks. really? <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to join that group. Present Perfect. Greg has an awesome book called Present Perfect. Love it. And they use that Stay book away. often as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Um, let's see. I think after that, I have the men's Bible study. Yes. Yeah. And this is a group of guys. We get together on Saturday mornings. And I love the multi-voiced community of, it's, it's, there is one guy that kind of leads it, but like yesterday, he, he pulls off, he takes his hands off the wheel and lets the discussion evolve, and it was a really rich conversation around, around hell, believe it or not. And so it was just very... I hear you have some interesting theological very, very diversity in that group. We do, indeed. <laughs> but it's super Which we're cool. cool with here, as long as we can discuss it in yes. a long way. Yes, and it's mm-hmm. super cool to see how the Spirit just brings different facets of the diamond out through different men. It's very That's cool. Good. So speaking Shana, of men, yeah. what about women? What about women? Yeah, well, there, there is something new launching this fall for the women. It's a women's reading group. And so if you are interested in that, I would say hop on the website on the Stay Connected page, and there are more details about how to jump into that, how to get involved. So it's brand new. So I can't tell you. (laughs) I know it's going to be amazing, but that's just, you know, that's what I know. I don't know what it has been because it hasn't been. Oshida's heading that up. Yeah, Yeah. Oshida's heading that up. So, you know, it's going to be really good. It's going to be good. Another new thing that we're launching that isn't just for women, it's for everyone. we are going to hopefully recapture friendship for people. Mm. I think um, in society today, we are, although we are socially distant, we many times fill ourselves up with relationships that aren't always the most life-giving or help us in our spiritual growth. Right, right. And so, or we're on the other side and we're just feeling super isolated and like we don't have anyone. And so yes. um, yeah. people today cancel one another out. Greg, you've talked about that. That happens online. Yeah. You, you get canceled. I'm <laughs> I've sorry. been canceled. Yeah. But that's even happening in people's relationships. Yeah. Relationships are yeah. so fractured. And so we really want to reclaim friendship for people, mm-hmm. um, but even take it a step further and uh and recognize that God wants us to be there for one another um, and help one another to grow spiritually. And so we have this new class that we're launching about spiritual friendships. And um, wherever you are, whether you have a ton of people in your life or you're feeling isolated, like God wants you to have a core group of people that you can really go through the business with that can... um, be there for you, challenge you, pray for you, encourage you, um, that yeah. you can continue to grow with. And so we have this class that's starting yeah. uh, on spiritual friendships, and we're kind of going to play with that. Rob, you're involved with that as well. You and I are together. Yeah. Yes. And the good with, Dr. Eddie. Yeah, Paul wow. Eddie. So kind of, well, you know, yeah. a dream team, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> can I just add, I never realized just how upstream the idea of Engaging in spiritual yeah. friendships really is. I mean, yeah. culturally, we have become so crazy isolated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We live in our own houses, drive our own cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on and on. And Paul will unpack some of this in, yeah. in the class we're doing. But it's really amazing how spiritually opposed these close friendships Absolutely. are. Yeah. And why? Because they are so important, so mm-hmm. needed, and so vital for us. And, and yeah. see, the thing is, is that 
it, it's a it's friendship with a purpose. Yes. Yes. We've lost that concept. Yes. Uh, because we've lost any concept of purpose. It, yeah. It's right. the here and now, yeah. right? Yeah. But in the ancient world, in fact, in Plato. He thought spiritual friendships were was like the strongest bond yeah. Yeah. humans were capable of. He put it even over marriage. Right, right, like, right. That's Plato, but but it just shows you how central this was. And throughout the church, we've had this idea that we need, to, for the purpose of growing towards that, walking down yeah. this road, we're going to help one another. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a friendship not just based on preference. Like right. what we have is right. preference. Oh, I like you. You like me. Yeah. And it's a quid pro quo kind of thing. Well, yeah. this is. It, we want people to have compatibility sure. and enjoy it, but sure. it's, it's for a purpose and yeah. it's for a focus. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. just absolutely yeah. needed. There's a real yeah. intentionality yeah. to it. Yes. We, we, went, we went through this as a staff yeah. this past, well, pre-COVID this past year, and it was just really fascinating and helpful yeah. to learn yeah. that this is something that's so necessary. And so now we're opening it up to you guys, and we hope that you'll take a part of that. Awesome. Another thing that we've, we started because of COVID, but it has just been amazing. And, and Rob, you and I do that together as well. <laughs> Our, our gathering groups, yeah. they meet virtually on Tuesday evenings and Wednesday mornings. And it yep. has been so cool to literally see yep. on your screen people from all over the cities, yeah. the Twin Cities, all over the state of Minnesota, all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. People yep. coming together and they discuss the sermons. So there's yeah. a lot of good discussion that happens. Yeah. But they're also really, they're connecting on these really cool ways yeah. with one another. And right. sometimes they're not even in the same country right, as one, right, right. one another, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah really it's been cool. fun to see them just like they're emailing each other yes. and supporting each other and praying. To, it's really cool to see. Yeah, 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 Greg, I, you were, you came and kind of hung yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It's a very cool group. I, I, I love it. And I love that you have folks who otherwise would be unrelated, but they're meeting for a purpose and they're going yeah. deeper with this. And that's the kind of context where I think... Uh, where we, if we can model, have difficult conversations mm-hmm. there, but model it in love. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that that's one of the kind of billboards for the kingdom that we right. can serve to right. the, the broader world. Because yeah. right now, people aren't talking about yep. much of anything in yep. love. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. I think one of the, the hugest blessings yeah. from gathering groups has been uh, that the thing that I keep hearing the most is I was feeling theologically isolated, mm-hmm. you know, yes. because they're not yeah. here locally. They couldn't mm-hmm. come to Woodland. Yeah, they could listen to a podcast, but now they're literally face to face online virtually with people from all over and they're, t- they're grappling with these things together. And so that, that theological isolation isn't there anymore. And I've heard over and again that they finally feel like they have a, a yeah. home where they belong. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But it's beautiful. We also launched the MuseCast during COVID, and that's that has cool. been so fun. Um, it's, that's not something that you could come and like be a part of, but you can be a part of it by sending in questions and uh, by chatting when the show airs. That happens on Tuesday afternoons, and what it is, it's a, it's a continuation of the conversation mm-hmm. from Sunday. And so, whether it's Greg or someone else speaking, we dive in a little bit more to the sermon. We discuss it. If there were questions that we didn't get to on the Sunday Q&A, we hit them there on the MuseCast. And it's just been a great opportunity wow, to, just for people just to get a little bit more of, and of what say, we're doing. You, Dan, and Ashita have just it's yeah. such a good chemistry. Yeah, you, you yeah, really yeah, do. yeah. It, just, it yeah. flows together well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. So a lot of different but, ways that people are staying connected, some new ways for people to stay connected, but we need to do that, right? Like we need to take right. that step and yeah. uh, turn on the computer or sign up for the class or do whatever we need to do yeah. to really make sure that we are continuing to grow. COVID is yep. an obstacle we have to get around. It's That's not right. a pause button we're ever supposed to push. That's so, right. uh, anything else? You know, actually there are, we're, we're gonna try. We really miss seeing everyone. So we're, we have a couple of events coming up that are hopefully outdoors. 
uh, for sure socially distanced, for sure COVID safe, but park and praise. Like we know that people miss coming yeah. together to worship together. Um, and so we're gonna do a park and praise event and it's gonna be outside. Mm. Hopefully the weather <laughs> will cooperate, uh, but it's gonna be amazing. Uh, there will be details about that. What's on, the date on that? Uh, September 26th, it's okay. a Saturday. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also Disney trivia is coming up as well. That's like a family fun. Now it's not just princesses, not, no, like, did you know, like Star Wars is a part of that. Is it and, really? Yeah, so oh. there are, anyway, a family trivia night. We're gonna try it out. And again, everything will be safe. Everyone will be not touching each other, but we're gonna duke it out over trivia. And so we do <laughs> want you in kingdom love, come and join us for that. So you, you can see that there's a lot going on here. Yeah. A lot of opportunities uh, for folks to get connected. Yeah. I really hope you take this to heart. Um, you know, do a new thing. Try, mm -hmm. go on, yeah. In this season, when everything is already surrealistic, what have you got to lose? Try something different. Alter things up with your spirituality. Try out some of these ministries. Get connected. Because uh, while the culture changes and while everything else in the world changes, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who we are called to be is really the same. Yeah. We don't change because circumstances change. Right. Right. Uh, no, we, we, we follow the unchanging one. So our mission is always the same. And it involves, among other things, staying connected. Uh, don't be trying to be a Lone Ranger yeah. Christian out there doing yeah. it on your, uh, yeah. on your own. Yeah. Stay hungry for the kingdom. Yes. All right? Enjoy what God gives you to enjoy, but never let it start using you or owning you. Grab it, but don't let it grab you. Okay, be aware of that. Guard yourself from idols. Praise God. Well, thanks for, so much for being a part of, uh, of, of this, this service. Uh, remember, right after the service, we've got prayer available. I encourage you to take advantage of that. In fact, Rob, I think you have to get a run out of here do. to I get do. to your prayer station. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank All right. you very much. As we close, I'd just like to say, Lord, would you... Keep on showering us with your spirit, with your love, with your character, with your vision. Uh, Holy Spirit, help us to be honest with ourselves as we do an inventory of our life, to sniff out any idols that are there, sucking off the hunger that's supposed to be there for the kingdom. Give us a pure vision, a pure heart, as we walk down this road of blessedness in the Beatitudes. Thank you, Lord, for calling us, for saving us, for redeeming us, and for uniting us. Continue that process in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.